Welcome to Business Done Differently, where baseball team owner turned showman Jesse Cole speaks with successful entrepreneurs who stand out in business and in life by thinking differently and challenging the status quo. We believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that normal gets normal results. If you want to stand out and be different, this one's for you. Today's guest is one of the top experts on customer experience. He's the founder and CEO of CX Formula, and he has worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, including Nike, Disney, Foot Locker, Bank of America, and Harvard, to name a few. He's changing the way people look at the customer journey, and I am pumped to welcome the one and only Jason Friedman to the show. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited about this. We're going to have some fun, and I'm really excited to talk. I mean, obviously, your origin story... Not many people know this, but I actually, in college, I did theater, I did improv while I was playing baseball. And that's how I got a lot of inspiration for putting on the show here at the ballpark. You have Absolutely. a similar, much more extravagant background. Can you share kind of, you know, being on the tours with some of these big bands and going Broadway all over the country, really what impact that made on you in creating this experience? Yeah, totally. I mean, and I love that. I love that approach because it's about the experience. It's about the theater of it, right? And so my background, I started out as actually a lighting designer. So I like like theater shows and dance and, you know, bands in your local bar and what have you. And I started early, early on. I was eight years old in summer camp when I started doing some theater stuff. And it turned into a career. I did all through high school. I did it in college. And then I went out with uh, some big bands that some people may have heard of. Peter Gabriel, Fleetwood Mac, Rush. and you know. That excitement, when you have thousands and thousands of raving fans, like literally, we all talk about raving fans. You go to a rock concert and they are raving fans. They're jumping up and down. They're freaking out. They're tattooing the band's logos. They're throwing their bodies, their body surfing. Like they want to get more and more and more. And I like that's an intoxicating thing to be part of. And you know it because that's what you do as well. The excitement for the team as well as the, the fans is like, everyone's in alignment it's just fun it's exciting and that was like i just i couldn't get enough of that you know and so then i went on to some more legit theater i toured with some broadway shows fiddler on the roof jesus christ superstar metal la mancha and it was a different rating fan experience but that same thing at the end the standing ovation like as you're watching the show unfold you see everyone like nobody's on their phones nobody's doing other things they are present they are in the moment they are engaged in the story and they want to be there. And they leave with this emotional transformation. Like they were moved from the time they got there to the time they left. They're a different person. Yeah. And I just, I love that whole thing. And, and being part of that and being able to create that and think through, how do you tell the story in multi-dimensions? How is it, you know, how are the props, the lights, the costumes, the music, the fog, you know, all the elements, the spectacle. But when you put it all together in an authentic way to tell a story, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. And so I had an opportunity to take that into the quote real world and do it with brands and do it with businesses. And really, how do you tell their brand story to customers in a way that makes them really want to go deep with that brand, become loyal followers? And again, exactly what you do with the bananas. It's, it's just people love that and they want to come back and they can't wait till the next time they get to interact with you. Mm. And I just I love it. And that's that's my whole background is that theater and that storytelling and that 
creating an experience in a way that moves people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing like it. And I, I hated the acting part of it, which is so funny. I was always the behind the scenes guy. Yes. And so when I was, when I was in college, you know, I went to school for theater, which everyone, like my father was like, dude, you're not going to ever make a living. This is crazy. You're going to be a starving artist, you know? <laughs> And it turned out okay, right? But the funny part was, like, I had to take improv acting classes. I had to do all these things that I never, I hated. I hated when I was doing it. I never thought it would be a part of who I am today and what I teach and how I help brands and businesses grow exponentially. But it's all that. It's that improv. It's learning how to listen. It's learning how to tell a story. If businesses can learn how to do this the right way, they will not only make a lot more money. And I'm not talking like a little more money, a lot more money but they will make a bigger impact. Yeah. And that's what it's about for us entrepreneurs, right? Well, so. I love it because, you know, just similar to theater, we script out the entire experience. I mean, we have 4,000 people dancing, hey, baby. Then we have our players in the crowd doing roses. Then we have everything's a part of a script. It's about a 10-page script into yeah. a baseball game. It's not just go play. And so I'd love to go just a little bit, maybe some stories of things that stuck out from touring that you took. It was like, wow. Because if every single business could get standing ovations, could get fans going nuts, and everyone says like, oh, no, well, you're in the entertainment business. Every business is in the entertainment business. Absolutely. We're in the entertainment and attention business. And we have to earn that attention because when we don't, we lose it. And someone else is right there. Your competition is one Google search, one click away today. And so, yeah, we need to earn that attention. And I love the scripting. And scripting, like a lot of people think, oh, if I script my experience, it's going to be boring and dull and uninteresting. But there's an art and a science to this, right? You got to script it. And then you have opportunities for things to be spontaneous, to be exciting, to be fresh and new. But that structure gives you everything that you possibly need to have amazing success. I love that. And it's the rituals also. I talk a lot about rituals and the things that you're talking about. People look forward to coming to the games to do those things that you've choreographed, that you've architected, that are part of the experience, and then they want to be part of that ritual. Yes. It's so important. So, so, so important. So obviously you took from the theater and the tours and the concerts how people feel. You say like they're going yeah. out, they're excited, but is there anything else like tangible or some stories that stuck out that's like, ooh, this can be put into businesses? Because I love every business should take things from other industries. They shouldn't take things from their own industry. They should go outside. Is there anything that really you took and was like, every business should be doing this? I mean, I don't know how much time you got (laughs) for that one. But, you know, some big things, you know, like most businesses think of customer service, for example, as like problems, right? Like people call you up for customer service and support and they're upset. Something didn't go right. And I look at that as an opportunity for sales, for serving, not for service, right? And so just having the mindset shift around customer service. So, you know, you take any other business, it doesn't matter whether it's going to a theme park, going to, you know, whatever. What is that customer feeling like when they come into that moment, something's wrong, something's broken. They need to vent a little bit. They need to explain it. They need to express themselves. The number one metric that most customer service groups look at is how to reduce the time on the call, how to make it shorter, how to make it less. And that is absolutely the opposite of what you should be doing. Not to say that you should make it long, but it should be as long as it needs to be for the customer to feel great at the end of that and to feel understood. And I think too many businesses are trying to be interesting to their customers instead of being interested in their customers. And I see that 
just customer service is just such a great place. So it's like when we have a customer call in, the first thing we do is let them speak and tell us what's wrong. And then we apologize because genuinely we didn't want that to happen. We are sorry when that happens, but that empathy and that sympathy and that understanding of them, as soon as you tell them that you're sorry, and in fact, we go the distance, like if it's something that we're embarrassed by, we tell them we are embarrassed that this happened to you. Mm. And I want to do everything in my power to make this right Mm. and to help you. So would you be open to just working with me right now so I can help you get what you originally wanted? And maybe I can do something extra special to kind of compensate you for your time. And then they're like, wow, this is great. You know, it's so interesting. You're going into literally how most people feel defensive. You know, we think about us in the business. We're like, oh, I'm defensive. Like, no, I got to battle. No, take your step back. Put yourself in their shoes and own it. And, and, you know, I've always said nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. And when they call, do you make them feel like they matter or not? And and we're, we're getting into it down the rabbit hole, but this is part of the script that we're talking about, right? Absolutely. And so as you start to take things from other industries, like people talk about the difference between what they expected and what actually happened, right? And if it's this, what happened is great and what they expected was lower, they're like, wow, that was amazing. But if what they expected was here and what they got was here, they're like, wow, that sucked. And it's that differential that makes people talk. And so you have to manage that differential, right? That's the experience gap. And when they don't understand what it is, and and as a business, we look at it from ours like, oh, we're spending more money. We're spending more time. You have to be in their shoes. You have to look at it from their point of view. Mm -hmm. And I think from an experience standpoint, you're right. You you nailed it. You said we get defensive. And it's hard. Like as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I remember in the very beginning, it's embarrassing to see that you messed up. And it's hard to look in the mirror and confront those brutal facts of we screwed up, especially for us entrepreneurs, because our businesses, I mean, you, your identity is connected to that business in such a powerful way that we take it as a thing about us. Mm. And there's a really important thing, just as my journey as an entrepreneur, I had to learn that my identity was not my business. I poured into it. But I am a good person and I believe that I'm going to do the right thing. And as soon as we can start to shift that mindset a little bit yeah. around being of service to our customers, they want to buy more. They want to tell more people about how they were handled. Yeah. If you go to most people, what they're talking about, I mean, I, was, I fly a lot. I travel a lot for speaking and, as you do. And what do you hear on the airplane? You hear the staff complaining. You hear all the customers complaining. It's like everyone's on this like vessel and it's like complaint bill, you know? And then all of a sudden you hear like somebody does something amazing, but that's all they want to talk about. Yeah. And so it's our opportunity as entrepreneurs to give them great things to talk about. And just the things that you do with the bananas, it's like, it's so different. It's so unique that they can't help. They're compelled to tell people about it because yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. Well, so, you know, we had a chain of sleep diagnostic centers. It was a business that I owned. And we, we tested people for restless leg syndrome, narcolepsy, sleep apnea. And it is one of the most regulated businesses. It's uninteresting. It's boring. You know, you go to the doctor, they tell you you're snoring too much. You might have a heart attack because of this. You could die. You've got to go get a sleep study. So they make you go into a place that they, it's away from home. You're forced they to connect all these wires to you and they have a camera on you, like watching you while you sleep. There's nothing more uncomfortable than that for someone that has just been told they're going to die and then be in that environment. And we created a completely different experience for people in every touch point. 
But like the littlest things mean the most. And our business exploded. We sold it for quite a bit of money. You know, I we moved to a certain point. I, I want to get into and, some of these points. What are some of the things you did? Yeah, so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two or three right now. So one thing we did, so they would come and they would they would stay overnight and then they would, you know, we'd have showers in the rooms and whatever for them to shower, get dressed in the morning, and go to work. One of the things we do when they're they're in bed, they're ready to go, we say to them, you know, you're leaving here directly to go to work in the morning. They say, Yeah, we are. We'd say, Well, would you like us to press your clothes for you? They're like, what? Well, yeah, like, would you like us to press you? We don't want you to leave and be rushed in the morning and worry about that. We've got a team that can take care of that for you. And they're just like, wow, like, that's amazing. Like, they would literally go back to their doctors who referred them to us and say, these people are amazing. Like, all the attention to detail, the way they treated us because of that impression that they got just from that. Now, I will tell you, in the thousands and thousands of patients that we serviced, not one ever took us up on it. They were just so blown away by the fact that we did it. And it was literally, we had an ironing board and an iron in a back room. And like, we would press their clothes for sure. We were happy to, like, we trained our staff on how to do it properly. And, you know, so on and so forth. We had nice bags made so that we could put their clothes in it and whatever for them. But they never took us up on it. But the value of offering it, of thinking of what mattered to them, made them feel so cared for, so understood. And they could not, not talk about it. Right. It's amazing because then they share it. And it's just reimagining what is that perfect experience. So for instance, this season, we're getting a golf cart deal and we're going to have our players pick up fans in the parking lot and bring them into the games and do golf cart karaoke where they're singing. They're not going to get every fan, but those people that come get an experience. And then after the games, we're getting a mobile car wash company to, without telling anybody, wash a few cars and have a nice note. Thank you for coming. Your car is a wash. It's just those little touch points. And I think what you said earlier, you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. And Jason, we can get into your framework, but this is something we started doing. We actually do undercover fan. And myself and everyone on our staff, every night we have one or two people that go undercover, park, experience the game, sit in the crowd, try to find the seat, eat food, go through the whole experience. We had 30 pages of notes. If you're not going undercover as a customer or as a fan of your business, how can you expect to deliver a great experience? 100%. And I, you know, I want to say two things about that. Like secretly shopping your business Mm. is so, so important. And having not only you do it, but having other people that have never been there before to get that first impression and understanding of it. I mean, there's a whole television show, Undercover Boss, which you, know, you learn so much about the business by being a customer. You have to become your own customer and go into it with that beginner's mind without the curse of knowledge of all the understanding of why these things are happening. Just go and experience it. 100%. And that is so important. And the second thing is to shop other experiences that are completely unrelated. Like you said earlier, Don't just steal things from your own industry or your own business, you know, steal or model things from other industries, because no matter whether you're B2B, B2C, I don't care what your business is, P2P, it's person to person. We're interacting with human to human and every business can utilize that. Mm. You know, it's just, it's so, the bar is so low. (laughs) Like if you, I hate to say it, like, and that's why, you know, you're on that mission to kind of do business differently and make people, you can wow people in a way that's just so powerful and so profound. And it changes their day. It changes the way they interact with other people. It changes the way they interact with their families, with their kids. You create this positive momentum that really carries forward. And you know it from your team. Like If you start doing this stuff with your customers, your team, it starts inside. They start to love it. They start to get more excited. And this whole viral loop happens. I love it. So yeah, there's nothing more powerful than that. I love it. Like I told you, we're speaking the same language. So I was excited (laughs) for this chat. 
I'd like to get a little of the framework for the listeners that don't know. So the framework that you use to map the journey, and I'd love some examples, some things that maybe some of the companies have pieced in, and you can keep it confidential, but maybe mention what they've done. So you've talked about starting reverse engineering. You know, you reverse engineer yeah. and then you go backwards. Can you share a little bit? Yeah, totally. So, you know, most people will start thinking about their customer experience from the first time at touch point. And that's great, but it doesn't let you get where you need to go. I want you to start at the end. Like when a customer finishes, whatever that interaction could it be a phone call, could it be attending a game, could it be going to a workshop, could it be downloading a PDF from your website, whatever it is, what do you want them to experience from that? And what would they say as a result of that? And so we call this the ideal customer script. I want you to literally script out the words of the ideal testimonial, if you will, that that customer would give. So they're on an airplane, you know, the old elevator pitch kind of idea. But what would that customer say after that interaction to other people? And I want you to use words that you're not comfortable with, like juicy adjective words. I want you to use metaphors, things that they would really say, like know who that quote avatar or persona is and use their words. Mm. And so you have, in order to do that, one of the ways we do this is we use improv, we use role-playing, like want you to become your customer. So if you were asked to play your customer in a play and you had to be on stage and the audience would believe that they're actually a real person up there, what would they do? How would they talk? What would they say? What would the stories be that they use to actually illustrate how amazing that experience was? And so once you get that scripted, Putting the steps in place that will encourage them and compel them to say those words is easy. Mm. Now, I do this from a legit perspective. Like you could use, it is manipulative, like for sure, but it's for good, right? Because you're doing the things that authentically generate that result. And so as you get really clear on what that script is, now you literally have the roadmap for what you need to do in that experience. And you can actually give them the words. So for example, right? So one of the things, like I have an online course that has a, you know, six modules of training that goes through this framework and helps you do it. I wrote the ideal customer script and I was like, you know, Jason, I decided to take this course because it was just, I realized how important it was, but I knew some of this already. So I wasn't sure. I was a little on the fence at the beginning, but as I went into this, you exploded my perspective on this by these three things and blah, 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 blah. And my team is on fire. My team is so excited about coming into work. It was a job before. Now it's fun. It's an experience for them as well. I am so grateful I bought this course, right? So now that I know that I want them to say that, right? Like in the module, when I start talking about the team, the employee experience, I say, listen, I want your team to be on fire. I want you, and I start using the exact words and I'm seeding the language about it. And I'm calling back to, like, as I teach a lesson, I explain the benefit of this lesson. Why is this going to help the employee? And what is the employee going to get out of that? And I give them the language. So at the end, it's no joke. Like it's actually no surprise that they're going to say exactly what I wanted them to, because they had the experience. They learned the things I've given them the language and now they're going to go use that language. It's brilliant because how can they know what to deliver if they don't know what they're looking for? And, you know, I thought it was like for us, I always say, I want our fans living. You won't believe what I saw at the game tonight because I know that spreads the fun. You wouldn't believe this happened. And like, well, how do we create things that are so unique, so different, so create so much word of mouth? And so that yep. maps it for us. And so it makes so much sense. So you do that. And then you start talking about the actual experience. Correct. So, you know, like when it comes to word of mouth, every business needs it. I don't care if you're the biggest business, the little business, but we have to give them the words, right? You don't want word of mouth to be by accident. It has to be intentional, you know, by design. 
And so that's where we start. And then from there, we kind of go back to the beginning. And you'll notice every business has multiple avatars, multiple like representative clients that are in there. And so when you write that script, you want to do it for each avatar because they're all going to be a little bit different so that you can make sure that you cover all of them. So just want to cover that. Then as you go through it, as you start looking at the journey, you have to start at the right place. And when you go backwards and reverse engineer it, and there's a formula that I share with people and we call it A plus B equals R. Attitudes plus behaviors equals results. And so you know the results. You've scripted that reaction. Now, in order for them to get those results, they have to do certain things, the behaviors, the things that they do in the ordinary course, each step that they go through with your business of behaviors. The problem is in order for them to do those behaviors, you have to break the bad attitudes, the preconceived notions, the wrong or missed or unclear expectations. The fact that they're coming into your world after having a bad day and they're not open to it. And so what we do is we influence those attitudes with experiences, with maybe gamification, with different things that are going to put them in the right mindset and the right frame to be able to get to the right behavior that is going to get them to that result. So as we start in the very beginning, most people start after someone buys. So they become a customer when they buy. So. I redefine customer, and I think you have to look at your customer as somebody that decided to give you their attention, right? And so you have to move that customer line back to even like pre-prospect. And that's what I think. So if someone comes to my website and they opt in for a free guide or something like that, that's a customer. They just bought that with their email address. Mm -hmm. And so I consider them someone that paid me Mm -hmm. in something that they felt was valuable, their attention, their time. That's a customer. And so we have to start back. And even before that, how did they get to my website? Where did they learn about me? What places did they stumble upon the message that I'm sharing that even got them to that place? And I have to be clear on what that is, what's happening in their head. What are they thinking and expecting? How are they feeling even before they meet me? So that when they meet me, I can welcome them. I can welcome them with the right energy, with the right messages, with the right information. And so I think that a lot of businesses get stuck. First, they don't figure out where they ultimately want to take them, but then they start a little bit down in the journey where they, the client has already had a first impression that you haven't influenced. Yeah. Well, what are they, what so are, I, yeah, what are they yeah. seeing on your website? What are they seeing on reviews? When they search your name, what are they seeing? You got to look at every single point. What are they seeing? Because that's their already perspective of you. Absolutely. And what else have they learned about your subject? So like, you know, depending on the sophistication of your market or the audience that's coming to you, they may have done a lot of research and learned a lot of things from a lot of people. And so they may have a belief system that is in conflict with what you're trying to share. And so you need to understand that based on where they come in and what they learn. And it's not a perfect science. You can't guarantee that, but you can be aware of it and you can manage that. And basically, with all of these things, like you're changing people's beliefs about what a baseball game is. Yes. Right? They don't know what a baseball game is until they learn from you, right? What they believe is baseball is like old school, right? Like what you do is a completely different thing. They're playing checkers, you're playing chess, yep. and they're not in the same game. And so the, the shift of beliefs and mindset around what that is, is so important. Yeah, and those are the kinds of things that get people to be, become really loyal brand advocates and, and want to be, they want to tattoo your brand on their body. Yeah, I love it. So it's, let's get into yeah. some actual experiences. You're talking about we know what they want to say. We start on the path to get them where they're going. But you also talked about planned spontaneity, which I love. 
Give me some examples of some of these companies, what that is, and some companies, what they've done to create these wow experiences. So I'll give you an example for a client that we're working with right now, and I'll kind of leave the name out to save the surprise what they're doing, but they're opening a brand new multi-billion dollar facility, and it's a really big deal in their community. And, and frankly, in the world, it's going to have a lot of ripple effects. And part of what they want to do is they want to bring people into areas of this facility to show them why it's better, like why the thought that went into this, the approach to this, the inner workings of both the building, the technology, the human interaction, all the elements are designed in such a way that's really like life changing. It's a different experience. And they've approached it from a very different point of view than any other facility of its kind has ever been done. So in order to do that, they wanted to bring people through like a backstage behind the scenes tour before it's open for business. And that's awesome. Like that was their idea before we got involved. And then they said, well, can you help us create, we want to create like an experience out of this. And so like the first thing they wanted to do is they wanted to walk people in through the front door and start moving around. I'm like, that's what they expect. Like we don't want to bring them in the front door. We want to bring them in from a different perspective than they've had before. And we want to bring them in a way that they have this kind of successive rediscovery. We want them to learn things about it in a sequence that's different than what they expect, so they pay more attention. If something is the way someone anticipates it to be, they kind of like drown it out. Like you're sitting on the airplane, the flight attendant's like, oh, you know, put your oxygen mask. You're not listening to any of those safety messages. But when some airline shakes it up and does something crazy, it's out of order in a different way, now all of a sudden you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. So we have to do something in a different sequence that's not anticipated so that they actually engage more deeply with what that experience is. So our way of doing it is we're bringing them into a different area. It's kind of like a holding area, kind of like you'd have it at Disney World. Yes. So they come into this and they have like a pre-show experience. And in this pre-show, it's your normal thing like, welcome, we're so excited to have you. Here's some things that you're gonna learn today, all that kind of normal, what you'd expect. And then all of a sudden, the entire theater starts to shake and you feel this like buffeting noise and it's a helicopter that's landing on the helipad on top of this building. You know, not really, but, and we're saying, oh my God, there's a code 911, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to take, come with us and experience what's happening from this perspective. And so then we bring them through like the back side of this experience and we're showcasing all these cool things and the benefits to the, the community, to the people without actually showing them the stuff. We're bringing them through the lens of a person that's going to be using this facility. Love it. And it's such a different change. Like everyone that we've shared this with that works there, that's part of this has been just blown away because it's, nobody has ever done anything like this in their space. And yeah, it's like go to Disney. It's that kind of thing. It's the same stuff that we did when we were designing, you know, experiences for Disney. How do we take people through in a different perspective from a different approach? So I would say like with you, like as customers come into your business, what are they expecting the first, second, and third step to be? And is there a way to reorder that? Is there a way to shift that? Is there a way to do something that's unexpected that is not just for the sake of being unexpected, that is meaningfully unexpected that will bring them further in and pique their curiosity and get their attention, demand their attention for what you have? You know, I love it because I'm a big Disney fan. I've had uh, Lee Cockrell on the show and talked to some other people with Disney as well. But um, it's amazing when you think about the attention to detail. They actually make the line experiences interesting. You come around this corner and you see this. You come around this corner and you see this. And then you're going on the ride. Like every attention to detail is so huge. And I love it. And I, I wonder, you know, got me thinking now, like whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. That's kind of our premise of how we do things. But what if, what right. if fans came in on a slide? 
What if we took them like, what if we had entrance through the locker room? You know, different things like that. And I think every, every business should think like that. Is there anything with Disney that you could share? Any unique experiences that you were well, part of? I mean, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like, so with Disney, just to, to comment on the line thing, if you really look at it from a customer's perspective, like 80% of their time is spent in line, not in the attraction. Yes. Right? And so if you ignore that, and this is most businesses would like just deal with the lines later. Right. And that's the unique difference. Like they're cognizant of the fact that the majority of your time is spent in these lines. Like there's nothing you can do about that as part of the experience. So we have to make it be an experience in and of itself. And a lot of the the steps and some of the attractions that they have are really just that. They're queuing. It's a holding while we're waiting for the next group to finish. And so they tell stories. They have movies. They have interactivity because we have to keep you engaged or we're going to lose you. Yes. And so as you think about it, what we talk about in our business, and I, I use theater again in this, is the idea of the transition. And so transitions are one of the most important and overlooked opportunities in your business. You lose people in the transitions. Mm. You create raving fans and loyalists when you do transitions right. For example, in theater, we do like tap rehearsals, right? So we'll do a stage show, right? And we'll have all the actors on stage, they're in costume, we get all the lights set right, we make sure that all the props are there, and everything's good. And then we have the actors, without acting out the scene, they're just standing there, we say, okay, go to the next spot. And so they go to the next spot, and then we set the lights, and we make sure everything's good. And then we go back to the previous spot, and we say, okay, now we want to run the scene change, go from cue to cue. And it's in those scene changes where lights have to change, sets have to move, props have to change, costumes have to happen. Actors have to come from the changing rooms, the dressing rooms, into these other places. All this stuff has to happen. The orchestra may need to play. And all of that has to happen in as quick a time as they can and be part of the story so that we don't lose the audience. They don't start checking their phones. They don't do all this. And those transitions are magnificent when they're done well. And in theater, we, we obsess over the transitions. I love it. In business, we ignore or even don't even realize that there's transitions. Mm-hmm. So if you want like a ninja, ninja tip, the thing that I would focus on in your business is you know, figure out all the touch points, figure out all the steps, figure out what you want to do in those steps. Like the actors rehearse the scene, they get it right. But then look at the journey from one step to the next step. What is that? And that's the line at Disney. It's the scene changes in theater. It's all the different pieces. It could be the handoff from sales to operations in your business. It could be whatever it happens to be. And look at it both from the outside for the customer, but also look at it from your employee experience. Because the transitions in employees, the role clarity, the way things move, it's just, it's so different when you can focus on that. There's a a really amazing study done by the BBC, and they looked at like the best teams and, and who did the best work. And what they found was that news crews, theater troops, people that were in that show business had the best teams. They could like show up out of nowhere and immediately accomplish the task and get it done. And as we were growing our business, our clients used to say that about us too. And it really is about like in theater, in that world, we have this role clarity. You know, like if you're an actor and you're casting this, you know your lines, you know your movements, you know what you do. They might have an understudy that also knows that they know everything about that. And then you know about the interactions because we rehearse those handoffs. We rehearse those bits. So when you can get to that level of clarity in your business with the roles and the the roles that people play and what their responsibilities are, it translates directly to the customer experience. The transitions are better. The 
the experience that the clients have are just off the charts better. I love it. You know, I think about uh, in theater, like sometimes they'll bring an actor into the crowd during a transition. You're calling them. And what's funny for our games, we do all our promotions in between innings. So our transitions are what people look forward to. And the game is yep. the slow part. But, you know, it's got to be thinking like lines. If there is a line, not just a figurative line, any type of waiting that people have, what are you doing? And so we developed a character called DJ Peels on Wheels. And it's a mobile DJ on a Segway that's going to be going around the stadium doing requests, playing music in line with people to add to the fun and the experience. That's awesome. And it's, it's right? like those little things. So, But it's expect the unexpected. People don't expect that. And like you were saying, and, and part of this in my transition to expect the unexpected, we are going to do our first game, Jason. So <laughs> all right, yeah. if, you're, if you're mentally prepared for this. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Truth and dare. Which one would you like first? Oh, my goodness. And. All right. Let's go with truth. Expect the unexpected. All right. You live this brand, the experiences. What is holding you back from delivering these amazing customer experiences, either in your previous business or now? Because I think every person who's listening is saying, you know what? This is a lot. How am I going to do this? What held you back? Originally, what held me back, and I'll tell you about today and, and previous, if that's okay. Originally, what held me back was the belief in the complexity of it, like that there were so many moving parts that how would I get it all right? And so the paralysis of so much crept in in the very beginning. So that was what held me back in the beginning. Didn't hold me back for long because I was reminded by a mentor of mine that what I was so amazing at in theater was taking this big complex script, breaking it up into all of its little parts, and just focus on one at a time and make that good, then make this good, then make this good, then go ahead and see if you can make the transitions better. So what I would say, just a lesson to maybe be learned from that would be, like, don't try and do everything. Pick the magical moments, pick the memorable moments, pick a moment that you think could have a big impact. Do one, just do one and make it a little better. You'll see the ripple effects of that. And then you can go from there. So I think the biggest challenge for me, and I hear this from a lot of my clients and colleagues and it's the large customer experience can be so massive. But the beauty of it is, is if you pick one thing, then you'll see rapid results. Like you, you see an immediate reaction to the things you do. There's like instant gratification, which for us entrepreneurs is pretty exciting, right? Because we all want it like right now and, and bigger, better, faster. So that, that's the first thing. Today, if I had to be truthful about what holds me back, is really a lack of clarity. My business has grown and changed. I exited a bit. We had a big business. You know, we sold over nine figures, you know, 150 million in revenues and what have you. And we sold that business. I exited it. I was on a non-compete for five years. So now I'm doing this again because it's just so important. I, I know that this is what transforms businesses. It's the lens that I use to grow businesses and scale businesses. And so it's so important. But I'm not clear personally on exactly where I want that to go now. I was before. And so as I do things now, it's a little bit more haphazard than strategic. Mm. And so I would say that for me, that is probably the biggest thing that holds me back right now in just being really clear of like, like I knew what we wanted. We wanted a big company. We wanted to work with the best brands. We wanted to be the number one group in, you know, brand activation experiences and so on and so forth. Today, I want to just help entrepreneurs grow their business and scale their business through the lens of customer experience. The challenge with that is it's a little fuzzy. And so I don't think that I put all the pieces in place that I could, or maybe I should, to get to that place. I'm tremendously impressed. It's one of the most in-depth truths I've ever seen, Jason. So you absolutely <laughs> killed it. And you talked about clarity. Uh, Brendan Bouchard and High Performers interviewed 
thousands said the number one thing of high performers is they're constantly seeking clarity. So it makes sense. Yep. You're not getting away from the dare, my friend. No, let's do it, buddy. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. So this is the dare I do on every show. This is a game we have at our ballpark. Normally, we have 2,000 people singing against 2,000 people. It's called Sing in the Blank. And we start a song. As soon as it finishes, you have to finish that song lyric. Okay? Oh, this is not going to be good for me, but let's try it. Oh, believe me. I've had some really bad ones. But this actually fits your theme about all business is show business. We're putting on a show. So it's fitting your theme. All right? So this all right. Get mentally prepared. This is going to get weird. All right, here we go. As soon as it stops, finish that song lyric. You got me, buddy. I don't, I don't. This is the greatest show. It is from the oh, greatest show. Oh, yeah, the greatest show. From uh, the P.T. Barnum story. Yes, I was, yeah. it was a tough one. I was thinking with two boys. You might have seen the movie. Have you seen it? I have not seen the movie. Right, this so is that, a that very funny. Story. So if my good friend Shelly Brander is, is watching this, you are going to be laughing hysterically because <laughs> she loves it. And she has tried to get me to watch it a hundred times. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's well worth it because not at all. I'm a big P.T. Barnum fan. I've read everything, but it's about He's putting well. on a show and uh, he gets it. So it, it's worth it. All right, we'll you finish got up. me, buddy. You we'll, got me. All right, we'll finish up here. All right, actually, before I get to some lightning rounds, quick, how does someone bring this into their team? Again, as we're doing this with our team here, we know it's been a challenge to get buy-in. How do you teach people to say, we know experience is important. We got it. We want to do it. And then they come back fired up. Then what happens? A couple things. So first of all, the most common problem I see with this is that what you define for your experience, they don't have context for. So the best story I have for this, real quick one, is we were working with an electronics retailer, kind of like a Best Buy. It was a local electronics store in New Jersey. They had like eight locations. And they claimed to be the Nordstrom of consumer electronics. And they wanted to have that kind of high touch, high class, like you buy a pair of shoes, anything wrong, we'll take them back. You bring us a head of lettuce, we'll take it back. You know, that kind of experience. And as they brought me in to kind of work with their management team, they had like 30 people or whatever in the room. And they introduced me as the guy that's going to help them transform their experience. And I was listening to this whole meeting before I got up. And he started the Nordstrom, the Nordstrom, the Nordstrom. So I, I get up there. And then you see everyone's kind of glazed over. Quick question. Show of hands. How many people here have ever been in a Nordstrom? One hand went up. And so the words didn't have context. So as you... Think about what that experience is. As you start to define it, make sure that there's context. There's stories that illustrate the key values, the key things. It's not just words. It's meaningful stories. Like, how do you show this experience in action and start to capture, like, these customer stories and employee stories of exceeding and meeting those, you know, those values and those, those things. So, number one is context for your employees. Number two is shared vision. So one of the things that helped my company catapult, we were stuck at a couple million bucks in revenue, and then we were like a rocket ship and we took off. And one of the key pieces of that was sharing a vision. I had a vision. I knew where I wanted to go, I thought, but then I brought in all of our leadership team and we started talking about what this business could be. And I had them co-create the vision with me. So it became our vision, not my vision. And when they owned that vision and they were part of creating what it was and adding all the extra things that made it more detailed, more clear, more exciting, they owned it. Like whether or not they owned the business or not is irrelevant. They owned that vision. So as, a, as an entrepreneur, 
I would say to you, like, do an exercise with your team and bring them all in is fine, but have them develop and co-create that vision with you because then they will have a sense of ownership. Right. And then the third thing is, and you've probably talked about this before, I know you know this, but people do what you pay them to do and things that get measured get done. So compensation should be tied to the results that you want. And I don't mean financial results. Like you can pay people based on profits or revenues, give them bonuses and all that. That's great. But my experience with doing that in most roles in the business is that if I incentivize people on the profits of the business, they'll cut corners to make us more money. If I tell them on sales, they'll reduce prices to get more sales in the door. So I'm incentivizing the wrong behaviors in most of those cases. So what I do is I look at what are the behaviors that I believe will get me more sales and profits, but I know will create raving client fans. So what are and I give, I give them bonuses based on that. I'll give them performance. So for example, in our sleep center, we have this thing called the Rockstar Awards. And we literally have like little index card size things, like four by six cards or whatever, all around the place, like everywhere. You couldn't, you like would trip over them, right? There were so many of them. And it was it had a little thing that explains like, you know, we want you to catch our team in the act of doing great things. So if anyone does something that, you know, wows you or you think is great, let us know. And if you think there's anything that we can improve, also let us know. And so our employees were bonused by getting more and more rock star awards turned in by clients. And there was a competition amongst everyone. So the employee that had the most rock star awards each month got a, a bonus. I don't remember the amount, maybe 250 bucks or 500 bucks or something. But then if the entire team got a certain amount in aggregate, everybody got one. So they were competing, but they were cooperating as well. And it created this unbelievable thing. Those cards ended up becoming testimonials. They ended up becoming things that we gave to referring doctor's offices to show them how great we took care of their customers. And then they sent us all their business. I love and it. so it was really basketball. So whatever those behaviors are, you know, even with salespeople, it might be on having, you know, repeat client meetings. It might be whatever those things are. Customer service representatives, it was based on a thank you email being sent in. Like, you know, and when a customer service person finishes with a client, if the client takes an extra minute out of their day to send a quick thank you, that's amazing. My receptionist in my big company, her title was the director of first impressions. Yeah, it wasn't receptionist, right? You got you know that well. But so this woman got paid over six figures as a quote receptionist because she was the ambassador. She touched every single person that contacted our business. When people came to visit us, she would greet them and welcome them with a smile and make them be taken care of. But she didn't just answer the phone. Like when she answered the phone, she would know who was calling from call ID. She would hear their voice. She knew what project that they were working on. She knew what team members they would probably want to speak to. And she would make that experience so seamless, effortless, and pleasant that my clients could not help but to call me, leave me voicemail, send me emails, send me text messages saying, dude, this is unbelievable. Where did you get this alien? I can't believe this. Uh, and so it, like, her incentives were based on clients feeling that they are being welcomed home, that they're part of the family. And it was so, based on like, them recognizing. So it's it like a rock star award, a thank you email, is, uh, you know, it potentially could be a social media mention. It was incentivized by your customers, actually. You know, they're the ones writing the check. Correct. Chapter. It's not right. Your, yes. Exactly. And it's incentivized by the fact that that employee can directly influence their personal revenue, right? Because if they do those, it's like a waiter or a waitress or, you know, a server at a restaurant, they have immediate ability to transform how much money they're going to make that day. Like the way that they service someone. So the food can be bad. They can still get a gigantic tip, 
right? It's and and, and so they have control. So I believe if we're going to really empower our teams to create a great experience, we have to give them the tools, the training, the language, and then also the ability to control their own destiny and give them some rewards for things that they can directly control away from like other decisions that can be made in the company. So every time I've done that, we've had massive, massive success. I love it. Darren Ross from the Magic Castle Hotel, he said, we would incentivize stories. We don't incentivize sales. Exactly. We want, and same thing, we want the fans' first moments. All right, I know we got to finish up here. I've been grilling you now for the last 40 minutes, all right? I'm giving you the chance now to grill me. It's flip the script. You're the host of Business Done Differently. You can ask one question. Oh, only one. <laughs> well, my, yeah. my question is, can I have five more questions? <laughs> no, um, I mean, I've been learning a lot about what you're doing, and I think it's amazing. I'm curious, and, and you've probably shared this story. I may not have, have gotten it someplace, but what drives you personally to keep, like you have a pretty successful business. You're doing amazing things. You've got raving fans. What is driving you to keep going to that next level, to keep doing the innovations that you're doing, to keep thinking about making it bigger and bigger? Because most business owners, they get something working. They, they do something, they create a great experience, but they don't keep evolving it. Like what drives you to do that? Well, the name of our company is actually Fans First Entertainment. And yeah. our mission is Fans First Entertain Always. And our biggest fans are our own people. And I believe... People deserve to be treated better. They deserve to be cared for. They deserve fun. And the way they're getting at sporting events and companies is wrong. And so we have a mission to bring this to the world and to spread it. We've sold out all our games here, but take this show on the road. Start bringing people this energy, this fun and caring for people. And, you know, that goes in personally, you know, the way, you know, as an only child, my parents were divorced and, you know, I wanted to feel that love. I wanted to feel that love. And I think people deserve that. So we're on that mission to take that to the world. And, you know, with anything, it's caring, it's fun. But it's just, you know, making people feel good, you know, and so and being different, you know, letting people be their whole self. So that's it. it obviously, if you go a lot deeper, but the reality is, I think uh, that's our vision. If we're a co-vision is how do we bring this fans first to the world and bring it in a way that people walk out and say, wow, I feel good. I lost myself. I escaped. I had fun. We've heard from so many families that we brought them together that they weren't even talking with their mother. Or father wasn't uh, talking with his mother. They came to the games. They sat together. They had the time in their life. Like, that's what it comes down to. So that's amazing. Yeah. And I love that you're doing that. I love that you're not just being satisfied with what's working now. You're pushing the envelope. You're going bigger and bigger. I think for all of us, that's a lesson that we can all learn of, you know, don't get complacent. Don't just get satisfied with that. You know, keep pushing that envelope because, you know, I see a lot of people get nervous like, oh, well, someone can copy me. They'll knock me off. But if you're always innovating, you're always taking it to the next level. You know, you've got a monopoly, you know, and how do you do that? And well, so, yeah, you well, thank you for that. No, thank you. It's a great question. I usually get silly questions like, oh, where'd the tucks come from? Where this, like, you actually get deep, which I like. All right, finish the last few here. What is one thing that you've done to stand out in business and in life? The number one thing that I've done is I've kind of taken my background in theater and I've brought it into every aspect of my business. And it was hard for me at first because I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid that they think it was stupid or dumb or girly or, you know, whatever, not masculine enough or whatever it was, I was really, you know what, I didn't even see it as something that I could do. And someone brought it up to me and I resisted and I poked and prodded. And I, I had this one moment, this is a breakthrough moment. Again, another mentor said to me, dude, like the thing that everybody loves about you when you're in a meeting, when you're on stage, when you're doing this, is that theater background. And it's what we do as a business here. Why don't you share it? Why don't you just embrace it and accept it? I think it was becoming more comfortable with really my roots and who I was and then sharing that 
because it wasn't about me anymore. It was about how I can help other people. And so I think that shift was when I started focusing on others and how I could help them and be impactful. It all just snapped into sharp focus. I love it. If you were to give advice to your, uh, your boys, your kids, when they're going off, uh, maybe college, maybe not into the real world, what advice would you give them? Yeah. So, you know, I've been asked this question a lot and I've had a few different answers. And I think you know, if I were to summarize all of it into one thing, it really is more about being really thoughtful about who they want to show up as in the world. I see this. It's, it's something that we talk a lot about right now because of my kids are young. I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. And, and there's all this crazy stuff that happens in school and in life with them. And, and the way these other kids are showing up and they try and copy some of the behaviors that they're seeing that are so not how they were raised. And so not, they don't feel comfortable doing it, but they feel like they need to because they see other people doing it. And so really having them kind of own a little bit more about who they are and how they want to show up and how they want people to think about them is, is something that's so important. And we're trying right now to, to communicate that. I, I hope we're doing a good job. But uh, yeah, I, I just think it's so important. And, and it's, you know, don't be afraid to be different. Like be you, yeah. like, you know, be, be you. Yourself. All right. Final two here. You've mentioned about a lot of mentors. I've heard you've had coach, you work with Dan Sullivan, some great people. Is there some advice that really just stands out for you? Uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of things. I think, you know, let me give you two, uh, maybe three. So the first one is that clarity equals energy. Mm. And so uh, as I talked about, the fact that I've not really moved forward in in giving the best experience I could right now is because I don't have that absolute clarity. And whenever you get that clarity, the energy is infectious. And so I found that whenever I'm in that place, there is a lack of clarity in some bit. And that's a Dan Sullivan, amazing coach, awesome man, changed my life. So that, that was one of his. I think probably the second thing is, I don't know who said this to me, but you know, it's, it's about this idea of you, know, you have to put your oxygen mask on before you help somebody else. Actually, I think it might have been Joe Polish. He talks about this. You, know, you have a million-dollar racehorse, and you do everything for it. You take care of it. You feed it. You make sure it gets enough sleep. You exercise it properly, and you do everything to protect that. And I think we as entrepreneurs, we're the million-dollar racehorses, and we don't do that. We talked a little pre-call on this, but legacy. The final question here is, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, I did an exercise years ago where you write your own eulogy. Yep. And uh, have you done that one? It's, it's a life-changing experience because you really, you really get this clarity around that. And for me, I want to be recognized as someone who was a loving father to my children, someone who was a good partner to his spouse and to his business partners. And to someone who really contributed their knowledge, their wisdom, I want to leave my kids the knowledge of how to go out there and make more money and be able to contribute whatever. I don't want to just give them the trophy, so to speak. So, and I want to help other people with that. So that's why I spend so much time working with entrepreneurs. I want to take some of the lessons that I learned and fought hard to learn and failed miserably and got beat up. And I want to share some of that so other people don't necessarily have to go through those same things and just be of service to other people. That's what lights me up. That's what makes me feel good. Like you said, you know, making people feel better, that the customer experience, having people have a better, just a better experience is so important. From a kid, my best friend in the world, who's also my business partner, we've been working together since we're five years old, you know, in, as friends and in school and what have you. You know, we, we had this joke in high school, we were going to start a business called Making It Better. Because we used to see how screwed up different businesses were, how they didn't treat their customers. We didn't know the word customer experience. We didn't understand any of that. But we just kept trying to solve these problems that we saw were stopping businesses from, from making customers happy, from making more money. And that's really what we like to do. We like to help businesses grow, make their customers happy, make their employees happy. And 
and just have a better existence here. So, awesome. Well, you were making an impact, my friend, and you were a rock star on the show. If we had our customers, our listeners voting, I think they'd give you the rock star award for this. And I want the rock star award. Send in the votes. Send in the votes, folks. <laughs> uh, seriously, lo- love what you're doing. It's so important. You're doing very important work that needs to be done. And uh, I'd love our listeners to find out more. Where can they learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, I'd love to share more. Um, if you go to cxformula.com, there's a cool uh, PDF on there. Just grab it how to wow your customers. It's got some cool steps in there. Check that out. And you know, feel free to email me, jason at cxformula.com. I'm happy to help anybody. I'm here to serve. And Jesse, thank you so much for inviting me to be on here. What you're doing is so amazing. I'm so inspired. And uh, hopefully I'll get down there and be able to, I know it's sold out, but maybe you'll bring me in and slide me in somewhere so I can see a game. Thanks a lot, Jason. Love to have you, my friend. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently with Jesse Cole, the Yellow Tux Guy. If you love the show, let Jesse know by leaving a review on iTunes or sending him an email at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. For more information on the guest and topics of this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.